Hey guys, I'm Serena, and I'm the vegan. And I'm Ashton, and I'm the teenage boy. This is our podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the vegan and the teenage boy. We are back on the futon, and Serena, what are we discussing today? So this month, I mean last month we did all of our introductions, and this month we actually get to start on a topic. And since it is February, we decided that we should incorporate romance into it. It seems like it makes sense. Um, so this month, we will be talking about romance movies by the generation. Like what movies influenced each generation or what were some of the cult classics from each generation. Um, we're going to do the Baby Boomers, the Generation X, the Millennials, and then we'll finish it off. We'll finish off the month with Generation Z, and that's our generation, so we'll be most experienced on that one, obviously. Um, so today we are going in. Uh, we're going to go into detail about some baby boomer generation romance movies for that generation. Um, but before we do that, we're going to do the quote and the this day in history. So I chose a quote from Breakfast at Tiffany's, which is a baby boomer movie. Uh, yeah. Anyone who ever gave you confidence, you owe them a lot. And that's just a really fun one because for any of us who have seen part of, as a whole, or all of Breakfast at Tiffany's, we all know that Audrey Hepburn's character has a bunch of confidence and almost a little bit too much sometimes. Um, and that's what this uh, this quote definitely re- reflects. Yep. And then for the uh, for today in history, uh, we're going to... Go back to 1938 when um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was released. And I chose this because um, we are talking about romance movies. I don't know if I would technically call this a romance movie, but it's got romance in it. So It's, well, I mean, it's a princess movie, so... Yeah. And then, also, I actually think it came out before the time of the Boomers. Oh, yeah. Uh, So... I don't know if it would still be considered appropriate, but that's what I'm using for today. All right. All right. So for our Boomer movies, um, we have not seen all of them, but we watched all of the trailers, uh, which is kind of fun to go back and watch a trailer from 1950s because it actually doesn't tell you a lot about the movie. It just tells you what actors are in it. Um, We got our titles from a little bit of research, but not a lot because there's... There's not a lot on just romance. You can find the cult classics for each generation, but they don't necessarily have the romance classics. Um, So we surveyed people in our family, our aunts, our grandparents. Uh, We have a few friends that we talked to, and then anyone at Knox County Brewing Company who we're kind of close with and um, our boomer friends, we talked to them. Uh, While we're right here with the boomer, I just want to – We're not going to discredit boomers. I highly respect boomers. I personally don't like the OK Boomer thing that's going around. I think it's kind of ridiculous. I actually don't know about the OK Boomer. I I mean, I've heard of that, but I don't know what that means. It's just kind of discrediting boomers. Um, I understand Mm. the young and the old thing. I just, we're not going to go into that today. I don't like it, so we're not going to talk about it. And then also, while we're on boomers, I think we should probably uh, add in that actually for all those who don't know the time when a boomer would be considered a boomer or when a boomer was born. The time they were born, yeah. Uh, And anyone born between 1946 and 1964 uh, would be considered a boomer. Yep, and so our 
our movie timelines go a little bit before 1946 and a little bit, well, not a little bit, about 10 years after 1964, um, just because that encases kind of all of them. So, yeah. So let's go through a few of them. Ashton, do you want to read the first couple and the years they came out? Uh, sure. So we've got Gone with the Wind uh, came out in 1940, Gidget, 1959, Pillow Talk, 1959, and Where the Boys Are, 1960. And then Breakfast at Tiffany's came out in 1961. Love Story came out in 1970. The Way We Were, 1973. Grease, 1978. And then we've actually included The Notebook as well, which came out in 2004, but it took place in the 1940s. Um, I think while a lot of people might not like to consider this a boomer movie, I think it definitely is that because it's still... Well, we're going to go into some common themes in a little bit, and those themes are definitely alive in the notebook. Um, again, while it, while the old people part takes place in the 2000s, uh, young Rich McAdams and young Ryan Gosling, I can't, Noah, and I can't remember the character's name. Their characters take place in the 1940s, and we can really see some of those common themes that we're about to talk about. Um, the movies that we've listed that I've seen. I've seen, well, I've seen the beginning of Breakfast at Tiffany's, the first half of it. Um, I've seen Grease. I think Ashton's seen Grease, right? Uh, yes, I, yeah. Yeah, I've seen Grease, and then I've at least seen, most of it. I've seen The Notebook. I, I want to say I've seen a little bit of Gone with the Wind, but I hadn't, I, if I have seen it, it's not going to have been within the past 15 years <laughs> that I've seen it. Um, so yeah, we're going to go through a few of the common themes and we'll try to unpack that per movie. Uh, remember, we haven't seen all of them, so these are some of our ge- best guesses from the trailers that we were that we watched. So, Ashley, you want to go into our first common theme that we kind of saw and dive into what you thought? Yep. Um, so, one of the first common themes that we saw was um, how opposites attract through them, or or um, and typically it's seen through classes of money. Um, there was. I feel like that's most seen. Who were the places that we most saw? We definitely saw it in the notebook with money. Um, we kind of see it with Breakfast at Tiffany's. Not really. We see a separation between uh, Audrey Hepburn's character and the male who's opposing her. Um, I believe that's a little bit in Pillow Talk also. It is a little bit in Pillow Talk. It's, oh, you're right. It is in Pillow Talk. Kind of, right? Yes, it is. Um, I have a few. Oh, uh, we definitely see it in Gidget as well. We get that quite wonderful quote that I actually hate it all was in the trailer. They actually said teenagers can have fun without being a delinquent. And I was like, well, that's separation. Hmm. Um, let me see a few of our other notes. Uh, we see it in Gone with the Wind with the Civil War. We obviously have some separation there. Uh, I said notebook already. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. We do see it in Pillow Talk. Uh, Ashton actually noticed while watching these that it's typically, ironically, it's typically the woman that has the money and not the guy. And so we see this poor guy and then the rich woman falls for the poor guy. It almost seems like trying to break stereotypes almost and like where the guy would usually be seen as the one with money and... The girl is the one who's got to marry someone who has money. But in this case, it's actually reversed in where the guy's poor and the woman's And she has money. Yeah. Which is 
interesting because that is kind of breaking stereotype, but very much these are not movies that broke the, a few of them did, a few did, but most of these movies and most of the movies that came out during this time did not break the sexism role. Um, so I'm going to use Grease at first. While we see uh, Sandra D try to be her own person for a little while, she immediately conforms to, not immediately, at the end of the movie, she conforms to what, um, oh, what's his name? What the greasers, what the, I can't remember their names. I don't know. What they <laughs> expect of a woman, and she became hot, sexy, and then we get that beautiful song at the end, You're the One That I Want, that's kind of a classic. Um, which is funny that that movie is classic, because it actually reinforces the, the sex roles a lot. Um, there are a lot of these movies that were, oh, hang on, I had a quote from my grandma. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Oh, in the way we were. This one was from my Nana Martha. She loved this movie because so the woman in this movie, she's a super strong woman. Uh, she has her own voice. She's politically active. Um, and then, he, uh, oh, it's they're both famous people. I can't remember them right now, but uh, <laughs> so you guys have to go watch the movie to see what I'm talking about. Um. She's politically active. She has a voice. She has an opinion. She has a thing she wants to do with her life. And he, while he very much respects her, still wants that at-home at home wife, take care of the kids. Um, and so those two don't end up going along. So it is interesting that you say that uh, they are breaking stereotype by breaking the classes. They're not breaking the sexism roles, though. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um and then also, while we're still on this, with this idea of um, how you had, you had noticed the theme of opposites attract, and I remember talking about how um, how originally I had actually seen it as uh, the class or the money uh, separating the two or making it difficult, and they continue to... So more breaking barriers. Yeah, more breaking barriers, which I wonder if that's a more of a Gen Z view, and I think we'll get into that later on on the Gen Z episode. But uh, Also something that I thought was really interesting about this one, and we'll once we get to the movies that came out after uh, the boomer time, but I, I would still consider late boomer movies, um, what we see a lot in these that you don't see as much anymore is while there was rebellion in the, most of the main characters, there was still respect for the classes and for understanding, um, like understanding why their parents didn't agree. Like we get in the notebook, we get that whole scene between um, Rachel McAdams' character and her mother, where uh, the mom comes after she has spent the night with Noah. The mom comes down and takes her to the workyard and says basically that she had the same relationship with a guy, very similar to her and Noah, and but said, I had to move on past that and tries to encourage Rachel McAdams to do that as well. Um, and that's where Rachel McAdams' character gets a lot of her conflict is she recognizes that there's still, or thinks that there is still need for the classes or she has to listen or she has a responsibility to marry someone with money. Um, and she very much respects her mother for giving up love to do her 
giving up love to marry her father to um, have that life that she was expected to have. And that's when we get that huge fight at the end with Noah and her. I can't remember her name, but Noah and her. Um, And so we see that respect. But, yeah. And I think that's kind of important to notice because there's not a lot of that. Like, ironically, with this OK Boomer thing, I'm going to mention it. That's a whole thing about disrespecting the boomers and discrediting them. Whereas the boomers movies seem to reflect still a line of respect for certain things. Hmm. I just did a really deep analysis analysis on this. Really got into that. I did. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Do we have any more? I kind of already got into that second. Our second point we were going to say is we still see a huge separation and we see the stereotypes in these movies. Um, There is in where the boys are. There's a quote that one of the girls actually say, say walking, talking baby factory. Like these. So while most of the movies have a rebellion, you can interrupt me whenever you want. Most of the movies have a rebellion uh, against class and money or their parents they still have respect, but they have that rebellion. And then all the movies kind of split from there. Like, we, there's either a major um, breaking from the stereotype or there's a major reinforcement of the stereotype. Or unless there's Greece, it's kind of like she tried to break away but then was forced back into it, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting to, uh, to hear this. I... I myself have not actually um, watched many of these boomer movies, so hearing some of this is actually quite interesting to hear. Honestly, I mean, you've seen Greece, though. Yeah, right? I've seen Greece, but I mean, I really barely remember it. I think I w- watched it when I was like what ten, maybe. I thought we watched it last summer. If you did, I didn't watch it with you. <laughs> All right. Did you notice anything? Any other common themes? Because you earlier when we were going through, you wanted to say something about. One of the points we wanted to go through. Uh, I think I made my point where it was like uh, how I noticed that I felt that there was more of a like the classes and the money were getting in their in their way and they would still fight through that in order to get to each other, essentially, which I had brought up that that could be a Gen Z take on mm-hmm. the subject. And I had also said that. Oh, right. We would probably want to save that for so later, though. What a great question would be is if we could dive into it, but I don't think, A, we have the time, or B, I haven't since we haven't seen most of the movies, um, and I haven't really read up on much of them, it would be interesting to see if there's any kind of, like... So while the... Re- in my opinion, I did not see the rebellion as the driving force for the relationships. I saw kind of how you say it with the breaking barriers. Um, I... But there's a lot of that. There is a lot of rebellion. And so it would be interesting to compare and look at which ones and see where it was the rebellion that was driving it, the rebelling that was driving it versus the it just happened to be that way. And and so instead of they are opposites attracting each other, they're, they're opposites that are attracted, but they're not attracted because of the opposites. Does it make sense? Uh, I can't say that that re- really did make sense, honestly. Um, <laughs> okay, so like I'm gonna go with um, the notebook. Uh, so they, so he comes from poor, she comes from rich. Did she end up falling in love with him? Be 
because he's on the poor side and kind of purposefully rebelling a little bit? Or did they just happen to fall in love and there happens to be that barrier of money in between them? Personally, in that example, I think they just fell in love and there's that barrier. But I'm saying with most of these movies, what are we going to see? Because because I haven't seen them, I'm wondering if there is, if it just happens to be um, that money or those classes are kind of a barrier for them. And that might very much be a, uh, the boomer time period um, would have been a time where those classes kind of needed to start dissolving and start going away because we're, we're going from like... Uh, yeah, we're going from when class, like, well, 1800s and a little bit early 19, yeah, 1900, early 1900s, we see a lot of importance in the class. Whereas nowadays, like, we have class, but it's not, like, a reinforced, like, thing. Like, our society doesn't run around class. Right, yeah. Um. So, I'm. I, it's kind of interesting to think, like, maybe these movies were, so maybe that's our common thing. Our common theme here is actually that this is a time where um, the classes are starting to need to go away. There's not really much use for the classes anymore. And so that's where we start seeing some of these, uh, these opposites fall in love. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. So that would be just be interesting to go through and actually be able to watch. Well, I'm probably not going to see most of these. Um, it'd be interesting to go through and watch them with that mindset kind of uh, to see if this really was a time where we wanted some of the, and like right. go look at history to see if the classes were really starting to fade at this time. Right. Yeah. You're, you're wondering if one of the themes that we hadn't picked up on yet was some sort of like introduction to dissolving classes or um, between the rich and the poor or. Exactly. And so like that. I'm going to, so I'm going to lead into some of the um, other movies that we got from younger boomers. Uh, we got movies like that came that are like Brat Pack movies that we have 16 Candles, St. Elmo's Fire, Fast Times at Richmond High. I've seen two of those. Um, though they aren't our tragic love stories, like through class or whatever, we do really see, like, like we said earlier, there's some rebellion, but there's still respect and understanding. Whereas these, that rebellion really starts to roll in. And, like, there's no respect. It's, like, screw you. This is what I want. And that, uh, I kind of like to look at that as our connection between the Boomer movies and the Generation X movies because that's what Generation X is about. Right, in Generation X, you start to see quite a bit of uh, rebelling or uh, deconstruction of those big... Like, Boomer Boomer was like, this is the way it is. Though they were trying... This was the way, but we're changing it to this can be the way. And Gen X says... No, it doesn't have to be that way. There's so many other ways. And so I feel like you start to see that with the Brat Pack movies is um, we start to, like, if you notice with the Brat Packs, the move, the parents aren't really involved. They're kind of out there. These seem more like Generation X movies, but they take, they're still applicable to boomers. So they're more of a transitioning period, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. Um. I could probably go on this for hours, but we... Right. <laughs> um, uh, there were a... I'm trying to think of some other ones. Another good trend... I'm trying to think. Yeah, I would have just said the Brat Packs were a good transition. Um, A lot of those early 80s movies, um, while they can definitely be put in the Generation X ca- category, I really want to put them into the closing of the Boomers. 
So while, um, so I'm just going to say Gone with the Wind probably opened the movies for the boomers. And St. Elmo's Fire, oh, so Gone with the Wind was 1940. And St. Elmo's Fire would have closed those movies in 1985. While we had The Notebook in 2004, if we're just going to talk about movies that were actually for the boomers, I'm going to say that time would have gone from 1940 to 1985. I think we still get boomer movies today, but they're meant for other people now. Right. Yeah. So that was that was a lot of me talking. Sorry. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot of me talking. Um, we kind of took turns researching each generation, and so I read a lot about the boomers, and I've actually seen it, half of the boomer movies um, and a decent amount of the Brat Pack movies. So... Hope, so the next one should be Ashton talking a lot, actually. Um, yeah, the Gen X was uh, the one that I wrote a bit mm-hmm. more on. So, yeah, hopefully I should have a bit more to say in that one than in this one. There's a lot of, oh, yeah, okay, that that makes sense. That's interesting from me. <laughs> um, so thank you for listening. If you have any questions or any movies that we didn't include and you want to – let us know, or you have a further analysis that we didn't mention, or if you've seen these movies and you want to answer some of the questions that we, or I asked, um, please let us know. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye. The Vegan and the Teenage Boys produced by Ashton Hansen and Serena Hansen. Episodes are recorded, edited, and published through Anchor. I'm the vegan. And I'm the teenage boy. Thanks for listening to our podcast.